Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. All right, tonight we are going to keep working our way through our Work in Progress series. And we're going to be in James chapter 3 tonight. If you have your Bible or on your phone, uh, we will also have the words on the screen. And then if you want to follow along, you can go to the Bible app and go to the events section and the factory youth is there. So you can follow along there as well. So many ways. Uh, Or you can just sit back and relax and listen. So, yeah. All right. So we're going to be in James chapter 3 tonight and we're going to be talking about the tongue. Amen. Yeah, good way to start. And uh, really, when I say we're talking about the tongue, we're talking about the words that we speak. We're talking about the words that we use. Uh, A little fun fact about me. My college degree is in communications, which is like what you do, one of the things you do when you're like not really sure what you want to do. And, um, but I, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do with my life. So my parents were like, well, then you're going to college. And then in college, I still had no idea what I was going to do. And then someone was like, communications degree means you don't have to do that much math. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a good one. So anyways, I, I have my college degree is in communications, which I just kind of fumbled into. And then from there, I have now for like my adult life, had a career in writing, like, which is not a thing a lot of people have. I didn't even know my job was a job until someone started paying me to do it. Um, But I work for a swimwear brand, and I'm on the marketing team, and I do all the writing for them. And so I, like, sit in meetings where we're, like, discussing what three words are going to be on the website homepage when you get there. Like, so someone pays me to sit there and, like, come up with the three words when you get on the website. And, again, like, I didn't know that was a job, but it's a, it's a lot of writing. That's what I do all day. Uh, when I went to graduate from college, I wrote a 107-page thesis paper that was on, thank you, I'm just bragging about myself for a minute, that was on the theory of semiotics, which is the study of words and symbols and how they relate to and are interpreted in culture and society, both linguistically and visually. These are things I wrote about for 107 pages. And when you're good with words, you can make a paper about words even longer than it probably needed to be. But there it was, got a perfect score on it. So that's what matters. Thank you. I'm, I'm just good with words. I can win any argument, Nate knows that, um, any debate. <laughs> if I've ever like lost an argument, I mean, I didn't lose, I let someone win. Um, I've talked my way into and out of many interesting situations. All of this to say that even though like my LinkedIn or my resume or my life experience might say that I'm good with words, it is really hard for me to control my tongue. And I am not great at my first reaction always being the godly, um, Christ-honoring reaction. 
Even with my background that could maybe say, oh, Hannah would be really good at controlling the words that come out of her mouth. Uh, I'm actually always working on it, always trying to grow. And part of spiritual growth, as we're going to see in chapter 3 of James tonight, is being able to control our tongue or to control the words that we speak. And so I'm going to read the first 12 verses of James chapter 3. They'll be on the screen, and then we'll talk about it. James 3 verse 1 starts with, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. My message title tonight is You're Not Bittersweet. Um, I think it's a common thing. You'll hear people, they'll say stuff like, it's like really like, uncomfortable, but they'll say stuff like, I'm just sweet with a little salty, or like, um, I just tell it like it is. I don't know. I'm just really blunt. I just tell it like it is, or like, this is one, um, I'll like see it in Instagram bios of like people my age, and they're like, um, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. It's like, <laughs> okay. Um, they're all former Bachelor contestants, so... <laughs> There's like a theme. Um, or maybe like, I'm just blunt. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a second. I can't help it if I'm just brutally honest. You'll hear things like that. And as like cringy as it is to say those things, sometimes we've at some point all said a version of that about ourselves. Like, oh, well, we excuse certain things we've said because, well, you don't know that person or you don't know the situation I was in. And really, all those things just are forms. They show a lack of self-control. And as believers, as spiritual works in progress, we're supposed to have control over the words that we say. Um, 
Because as we see here in this passage, if you can control your speech, then you're going to have greater control of your actions and your behavior. You have this tongue, this thing, the words you use that can either control, they can build up, or they can destroy. And our words can leave lasting marks, whether for good or for evil. We saw in this section James describes passionate and persuasive speeches that a tongue can give. But then he also (laughs) describes a forest fire, fire, how the tongue can destroy just everything in its path when not in control. And I think we all have words we can think of that we'll never forget, that maybe have been said to us or about us. We have words, when I was thinking of this, like words that stick with me. Like I was sitting down like, what's like words that have stuck with me? And the first thing that came to mind is just something you learn uh, like in school and life, but I thought of I have a dream. And especially after like MLK Day on Monday and talking about Dr. Martin Luther King and like his I have a dream speech is like one of the most famous speeches. You hear I have a dream and like you know the whole depth of what was behind those words and the like moment where those were said. And so there can be words like that that are meant to inspire and um, build up and bring change. Or there are words like we can all probably think of that have absolutely wrecked or destroyed us. Um, Some of us like live in the trying to undo the negative impact that words have had uh, on us. Maybe it's just the home you live in. Like the words spoken in your home are not words that build up or encourage or bring life. And they're, they're words that have hurt you and put you down. Um, Or maybe it's like one statement that you can think of that someone said to you, uh, even as uh, someone years out of high school, I can still think of like the mean things people said to me in high school, and they stick with you. It's hard to get rid of words like that. And as believers, we want to be intentional and controlled with our speech. We want God-honoring and creation-honoring speech. That should be the goal of us as believers. The last two verses, I'm going to read them again. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Your tongue and the words that you say is either producing bitter water or your words are producing fresh water. And you can't be both bitter water and sweet water. That's what James is saying in here is what is the taste of your speech? Our speech is not to be both blessing God and then cursing those around us. I thought it was amazing that Charlotte tonight when she talked about words against God's creation and said whether it's about yourself or about others and that's like part of this message tonight is that if you're praising God and worshiping God with your speech with your words as you're singing um, as you're talking about God believing his truth for you but then those that same mouth is used to put others down that's not God honoring or controlled speech and so Uh, We can't be a spring that's both things. 
it's uh, salty or it's a spring that's um, clear and brings life. A spring with a little bit of bad, like a tank of water that has a little bit of bad water in it, you don't drink any of the water, right? If you found out there's a little bit of poison in this mostly clear spring, you're not going to drink it because it's now a poisonous spring. And so we want to, it is a process. That's what we're talking about, work in progress. It's a process. We're not going to be perfect all the time. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to slip up. We're going to say words or things that are is not God-honoring. But what we want to be doing is learning to control our tongue and to, excuse me, I just like lost my voice, and to control the words that we say. So I want to look tonight at what controlled speech looks or uh, sounds like, I guess, what it looks like, sounds like the way that you should be speaking uh, from biblical examples in the Bible. And so we're going to look through, I have seven points, but they're going to be quick, of the different things that our speech should sound like and what controlled speech that's a spiritual work in progress will look, sound like, um, what it will do for yourself and for others. So the first thing is that controlled speech is wisdom. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Sometimes, by just simply not talking, <laughs> you can look smarter, right? Like, it's probably easy for us all to think of someone who should just not talk sometimes. Um, but most of the time, that someone is us. And here, being able to control and just bite your tongue and not say something in a moment where you've got the best response ever that could just undo someone, you hold it, you hold that in. That's self-control, that's wisdom. It makes you look smarter than you might actually be. You don't have to always give your hot take or your two cents or your opinion, um, especially if you're going to be hurting someone else or putting someone down. No matter what they're saying to you, sometimes the smartest thing is to just not talk or type, right? Type. Like you guys are like on, like typing like this to people. <laughs> I guess type like this. Sometimes it's better to just not. Um, this is like moms on Facebook who sometimes need to stop. I'm, I'm one of them. I mean, I'm not a mom, but I still do that. Anyways, um, the second thing, controlled speech is medicine. Proverbs 12.25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart but a kind word cheers it up. Isn't that so true that sometimes when we are in those moments where we're feeling anxious or we're feeling down or low or depressed or hurting, that it can just be an encouragement from someone else that just we feel seen and we feel heard and our experience is it matters to them and that can just lift you up. It, it happens to me all the time. Um, where I'm feeling that way, and since I live with Nate, it's him most of the time who, like, has just something nice to say that just helps, like, huh, it can build you up. It can be medicine. It can bring healing, and we want to control our speech so that it can be healing for others. The next thing is that 
controlled speech brings life. When you can tame the tongue, it can bring life. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, those who, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's a collection of literature that is by Jewish rabbis who were writing uh, to a book that I can't pronounce the name of that was going along with the Psalms. But in there is this quote that reads, the evil tongue, uh, and in reference to this verse, they're looking at this verse and they wrote this quote with it. The evil tongue slays three, the slanderer, the slandered, and the listener. In other words, If you're speaking evil with your tongue, right, it doesn't just hurt the person you're speaking to. It's going to hurt yourself, and it's going to hurt the people around you that are hearing it, even if they're not necessarily a part of it or the receiver of it. It it brings hurt or death in this instance to all. But in that same way, a life-giving word gives life to the person speaking it, the person being spoken to, and then the people that are around. And we want to be people that are speaking those life-giving words to others because it doesn't just uplift them, but it will help uplift and bring life to all those around us. And then the second part of this verse, talking about those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, if you can tame your tongue, if you can use the words that you speak in a godly, life-giving way, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be eating, as written here, the pleasant fruit of just speech that is wise, that's effective, that's loving, that, again, is that life-giving speech. We have the power to bring life with the words that we speak. And we want to be people as believers that are bringing life with the words we say. The next thing, um, the next point, controlled speech is seasoning. This is a random one, but go with me there. Colossians 4, 6 reads, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The way that we're speaking to others is a reflection like we've been talking about in this whole series. It's an outward reflection of work happening that's happening inside of us. It's inward work coming outward. And so we want to be, as we're around others, we want to be seasoning all that we're saying with grace and with the um, word of God. It says at the end of this, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So how do we answer everyone? We see um, in scripture, in the life of Jesus, the way that Jesus answers everyone is always with the word of God. It's with the truths of the Bible, the truths of his word. Everyone from his followers to Satan to the religious leaders, God's answer, Jesus' answer on earth was always the truth of God's word. And that's what all our seasoning should be, all of our speech should be seasoned with is the truth of God's word. If you don't know what to say, Whatever you say, say it graciously and with the truth of God's word. Just like seasoning, um, food seasoning brings depth 
and layers to what you're saying. Seasoning, the seasoning of the word of God, I don't mean just like sprinkle it on. I mean, that's what the power is behind your speech is the word of God. Good food is well seasoned. And if you disagree, you're wrong. If you are just eating like chicken with salt and pepper, I'm sorry, but that's depressing. Um, good, season, good food is good because there's depth to it. There's something behind it besides just like chicken and rice. Um, Nate, like years ago, was like having allergies and his doctor said like, you just need to like eat plain. And so he was eating the most boring meal for like six months of just like, just like the gross meals you see like people make fun of. It, it was like just chicken with nothing on it and like plain broccoli and like white rice, like so gross. And then Nate decided whatever his like allergies are from, it wasn't worth like eating that food and he'd rather eat good food. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that when you are filling yourself with God's word and when you're bringing just the graciousness of God into every and knowing him into every conversation, that's like bringing good food somewhere and then people are drawn to it. The smell of food cooking that is good food, that brings people in. And that's what the seasoning, what is being spoken of here is that it's words that have depth and meaning because of your life experience, your time in the word, your relationship with God. So we want to be, that's what um, life-giving or controlled speech looks like. Controlled speech also builds. Ephesians 4.29 reads, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Or in First Thessalonians, we also see, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. There's a, I grew up, some video, like one of those children's videos I used to watch as a kid, um, that had a song that went like, encourage one another and build each other up. And there's more, but I don't want to sing it all. Um, and I really was thinking, I, I like went on YouTube and found the video of it, but it was like three minutes long. And after like eight seconds, you're like, okay. It's like kid in the, kids in the 90s on a playground, like sliding down slides. And I was like, Nate would not let me play that for three minutes in here. So maybe go home on your own time and watch it. Great song. Um, but anyways, uh, the words we say have the power to build people up or to tear them down. And when you're controlling the words that you say, you should be building other people up. There's a phrase I've heard throughout my life, and maybe you've heard it too, that says words build worlds or words create worlds. As in the speech, the words you say um, can end up building the life around you because they point you in the direction of what you're saying. Words like bring you, if you're just speaking death and um, 
just darkness, that's where you're going to spend your time. But if you're speaking life and you're building people up, not only are you going to build others up, but in that process, you're going to be building yourself up. Um, It should be known of you that you build people up. And it's so much easier most of the time to point out where people are failing and to put them down. And what scripture shows us, what James is talking about here, is that a believer is someone who's looking for ways to encourage and to lift others up. There is enough um, eagerness to put people down, to find what's wrong with someone, to find where someone could improve, and to just put them down for it all around us. And it doesn't need to be present in the lives of believers. We can just spend any amount of time on Instagram or TikTok, and it takes like two minutes before you get, not even two minutes, it's like two seconds, and I'm on someone like bashing someone else. And it's, we just don't want to be those people. Uh, When those around us fail in, maybe they hurt us, or maybe they just have stumbled in their walk, we're not to be people that look for where they're failing and we just point it out and we hold that over them. We're to be people that are lifting them up and encouraging them to walk in what God has for them. When you can control your speech, you're also a peacemaker. Proverbs 15.1 reads, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So often, myself included, we respond with the quick, cutting comment. And we are, like, so proud of ourselves because we're like, yeah, we said the mean thing really fast. And um, we don't want to be that, those people. And we do that so often, I think, because we think that's strength, that we're showing strength or power by coming back with an even better response. And here we see we've totally got that wrong, that real power is being able to bring peace to a hostile situation. It's so much easier to uh, escalate a situation, right? It's very easy to walk up to like a group of people and be like, who are we talking about? And they're like, this person. And you're like, yeah, that person. And you have like a quick thing to say about them. That's so much easier to do than to have the response that de-escalates it, that brings it down. And there's power in being a peacemaker. There's power in learning to say the opposite of what maybe your first instinct is. We want to be peacemakers in conflict. And the way we can do that is by having control of our tongue and being the person that's maybe quicker to find something positive to say or to shut a conversation down or to just walk away from it. Sometimes that's just what we need to do, to not be someone that just throws, um, like, oil on the fire. I couldn't think of what made a fire bigger. Um, gas, that's the word. We don't, we don't need to be that person. Sometimes it's better to, to just, not sometimes, all the times, it's better to be a peacemaker in those situations. And when you can control your speech, it's more powerful to be able to stop the snowball from rolling down as people are just 
um, causing conflict or division and to be the person that brings in that like positive word or tries to um, switch the conversation. That's what we're meant to do. And there's more power in that than the super witty comeback or the good story you have that you'd like to add to the conversation. Sometimes it's better to just, again, why do I keep saying sometimes? All the time, it's better to just be someone who de-escalates, who brings peace. And that's what a controlled tongue can do. The last thing that controlled speech, having control of your tongue is, is honey. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I, like, Nate and I were talking about, like, when should you give the honey sticks out? Do you want to do it after or before? And I, I said, I want to create a little buzz. Let's do it before. Um, so, multiple puns intended, I realize now. <laughs> so... Honey, here in this verse, we see that controlled speech is like honey. And we read it's sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That's the whole person, body and soul. When you can control your speech, when you can give gracious words, it's healing and it's sweet. Um, the band can come up right now as I um, finish. My question tonight for all of you is what taste does your speech leave? I noticed with all the honey, uh, honey sticks on the chairs tonight as people were coming in, everyone, everyone, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be someone who's like, I wasn't into it, but most everyone was super excited right away, like no questions asked. Like, no one was like, oh, where'd these come from? Are they safe to eat? Like, everyone's, like, ripping them open with their teeth um, to get that honey stick. There were people asking me, like, Hannah, we didn't have any on our chairs. Like, where, where can I get some? Like, people were going crazy for the honey sticks. If you don't like honey, I'm sorry. But the vast majority of you came in. Most of you have eat, ate them in five seconds. Church didn't even start. Um, and that is the speech, that's how we should be known as believers, that were that refreshing, that clear spring, sweet speech, and speech that we're not just like, oh, we say nice things. It's speech that is backed by our life, by our beliefs, by the work that God is doing in us. It's bigger than just being a nice person or saying good things. It comes from the place of this. We have control of our tongue, not just because I'm like trying to be a good person or trying to be a better person, but it's because I'm praising God. God's doing a work in me. And the words, the mouth that I use and the words I say to praise God, I'm going to use that same speech to bless others and to be 
life-giving and to be seasoning and to be a peacemaker and to build up and to bring healing, to be that medicine. I'm going to be wise with the words I say. I'm going to be honey. I'm going to be sweet. And people are going to want to be around me. And not because I'm trying to get people to want to be around me because I'm like a cool person, but people are going to want to be around me because of the time I'm spending with Jesus and because of the relationship I have with Jesus. And so that's why we practice these things. That's why we're trying to learn and grow. That's why we're works in progress in the way we speak. We want words that match our worship. We want to build holy worlds and holy practices. We want to have holy conversations. We want God to be a part of everything we're doing, everything we're saying, and not just because we're talking about God, but because he's working in us, and everything we do now reflects that work. And so part of that is our speech. We've been talking about, you know, the places we go or the things we do, the actions we take, and tonight we're talking about the words we say and the way we talk to each other, especially amongst the people in this room. We're all here because we're trying to grow in Jesus. We want to know more about him. We want to walk in his will and his ways. And so here, practice in this room. Maybe tonight you know, like, I've said things to people in this room that have been hurtful, and I put them down, and I tore them down. And maybe tonight looks like you going and apologizing to someone and trying to bring peace to a situation where there's not peace right now or ending a feud with someone in this room or maybe you've been fighting with someone or giving someone the silent treatment. Tonight's the night to just remedy that, to reconcile that. And then you get to practice speaking in a godly way, having control of your tongue at home tonight, at school tomorrow, at work this weekend, wherever you go. Let your speech be that honey, leave that taste that draws others to Christ because there's plenty of people speaking evil and speaking death in our world today and we want to be people that speak life and we want to be people that when someone walks in the room and they see you, it's like all of you when you walked in and saw the honey stick. Like, I'm going to go to them. It's going to be a good experience. They're going to build me up. They're going to uplift me. They're going to be kind. They're going to bring healing and they're going to just everything's going to come from the truth of who God is and what he's doing in their lives. And so we want to be those people tonight. Let's pray.